Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> there are three ways that God uses money. As a tool, as a test, and as a testimony. Our financial circumstances are teachable moments if we surrender and really listen to what God may be trying to teach us. God's wisdom to be, needs to be applied in your own unique circumstances. We need not look at what your neighbor, your friends, or everybody else around you is doing or what everybody else expects you to do. If you have sought God's wisdom, and continually follow his principles. Are you confident in his promise? The promise he makes that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And choose your host, Sheon Adeyemi, President and Senior Financial Planner at SA Capital Advisors. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, if you've missed previous episodes, you can find it at sacapital.ca slash podcast. And we're also giving you a chance to win a prize just for listening to this episode. So listen out for the episode code and be the first to email at at podcast at sacapital.ca. And for those of you who have been tuning in, we really appreciate it. Uh, We would love your feedback, your comments, uh, as this helps us to know that you're listening and also helps us tailor future episodes. Today, we're going to be talking about contentment. It's a heavy word. Never enough. Three keys to financial contentment. See, gaining financial freedom and therefore contentment is something that we all strive for. And yet, it's hard to encounter anyone who is truly financially free. Even people that seem to have it all, should be happy, are looking for more and are not happy. That's because money cannot buy happiness, right? So why do we believe that if our circumstances changed or that if we had more money, we will be content. In my years as an advisor, I've seen even the wealthiest among us struggle with these feelings of insecurity, of never having enough. We expect money or wealth to fulfill a purpose that it can never do, and in reality, was never meant to do. So we know that having little or more money is not the issue here. The issue is how we view money and where the affection of our heart lies. I believe you can be deeply satisfied in your current financial situation, even while boldly pursuing the next steps for your financial future. Whether that's related to savings, um, debts, repayments, or lifestyle adjustments. Our consumer society culture tells us that we just need a little bit more money than all our dreams will come true. If only I got that job or that promotion, if only I started my business, if only Um, I bought that bigger house. If only I had a better car that maybe wasn't as clunky. You know, there's always something missing. 
in order to make us content. There's no one immune to these thoughts or struggles. I remember a season of my life when I struggled with contentment. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I'm totally immune from it now. I learned to be content. It's a daily walk with the Lord. See, during this time in my life, I had made many financial mistakes and they were catching up to me. See, and as I was seeking a way out of my mess, the mess I had created for myself, I kept praying that God would bless me with more income, more money. And I truly believe that if only I had made more money, if only my income could go up, I could clean up my mess and I would be okay. And I will feel more, I'll feel more secure. I'll be more content. I'll be more happy. But what God taught me, what I learned during this season in my life was that it was a hard issue. The hard issue is were the issues that led me to make those mistakes in the first place. And so making more money or less of it was not going to fix my problem. The problem was my heart, and that's not a problem that money can fix. And that's the driving force of contentment and financial freedom, the affections of our heart. Paul said in Philippians 4, For I have, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. What this means is that no matter where you are in life, whether you're rich, you're less fortunate, whether you live in, an, in a mansion or an apartment, whether you work outside your home or you're a homemaker, whether you struggle to pay your bills or you have surplus at the end of the month, you can be content. Whatever income you have right now is exactly what God wants you to have. So let's talk about being content in the season you are right now. I don't know where you are, but let's talk about that. I believe there are three primary keys to financial contentment. Having the right perspective following the right principles and having the right processes that you can work through. Someone once said that all of life's problems can find their answers in the Bible. Well, I believe that. And I believe that to be true of our financial problems too. If we're struggling with contentment, instead of wallowing in fear and confusion, which the enemy thrives in, we need to dig into God's word and see what he says about the issue. What does fear and confusion look like? Well, I believe it looks something like this. Will I, have, will I ever have enough? Will it continue to be enough? Why is God not meeting all my needs? Will I be able to care for all my children? Can I save enough from now until retirement? What if the market crashes? What if my home is worth nothing? What if I can't afford to get my kids a Christian education, which I really want? What am I doing wrong that God is not blessing me? 
you fill in the blanks. But I believe we need to look at things from a different lens. We need the right perspective, and that's key. It's having a perspective of stewardship, a perspective of wisdom, a perspective of faith, and a perspective of contentment. Sounds simple, right? Well, let's talk about it. A perspective of stewardship. Do you believe that God owns it all? One of the greatest illusions we have about money is that we have control over it. Our possessions seem like ours, but scripture says otherwise, whether we acknowledge its ownership or not. As creator and sustainer of the universe, as the one who spoke the world into being, as the one who sets eternity in the hearts of men, God owns it all. If God owns it all, it changes my relationship to almost everything. If God owns it all, so many things matter in a different way than they did before. When I believe that God owns it all, my trust in his goodness grows. My belief in his sovereignty expands. My attentiveness to his voice sharpens. My perspective about how much I have, my possessions, my reputation, my family, my sphere of influence, my future plans, shifts from consumption to stewardship. My concern over other people's opinions diminish because I know I play for an audience of one. If God owns it all, then my money matters differently. More than that, if God owns it all, I know I'm in a sacred and beautiful trust that exp expands far beyond my tithe or my year-end giving. If God owns it all, I become free to view life as a great adventure with him, stewarding all for his glory. If he does, then he can use the money he gives you in many ways to accomplish his purposes on this earth. There are three ways that God uses money as a tool, as a test, and as a testimony. God uses money as a tool, whether we have much or we have little, to shape our hearts. Money reveals the conditions of our heart. When we face financial challenges, do we confidently ask, God, what do you want me to learn in this situation? Because our financial situation is often the way God matures us in different areas of our lives, from our faith, our contentment, our humility, and more. Our financial circumstances are teachable moments if we surrender and really listen to what God may be trying to teach us. So that's how God uses money as a tool. God also uses money as a test to reveal where our treasures really are. If you have not learned to manage the little you have, why should God give you more? Do your bank statements reveal an eternal or an earthly perspective? What do you spend your money on? Because I truly believe that the way we handle all that God gives us here on earth plays a, 
a big part on how much God bestows on us in eternity. And lastly, God uses money in our lives as a testimony. In Matthew 5, Jesus calls us to be salt and light. As Christians, our lives are to be vastly different from the rest of the world. And one way that we can live as salt and light is by using God's money to support godly causes. Our lives must be free of fear, greed, envy, and materialism. So what's your perspective today? Do you think you own it all? Or do you think God owns it all? And there's a perspective of wisdom. Earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom produce very different fruits. The Bible says, where envy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every kind of evil. James 3, 16. God's wisdom is eternal and available to anyone who asks. James 1. Have you ever thought to ask God, what would you have me do in this situation with my money? Time and time again, I've been in different situations and when there isn't clarity on what to do or what decision to make, I just go to God and say, God, what would ultimately glorify you? Regardless of the consequence to me, what is it that would ultimately glorify you? Help me to do that. One of my mentors told me a story about um, um, a man who made a pledge to God. See, his pledge was that he would increase his giving to his local church by 1% every year. Now, at the time he made the pledge, he was given 10%, and he was earning a good income. So after that pledge, he and his wife consistently increased their giving by 1% every year. Well, this pledge was 30 years ago. Now, 30 years later, this man was now a missionary living on much less and was in a financial bind. He was very discouraged because he thought there was no way out of the pledge without dishonoring God and breaking his promise to him. Well, after much prayer with my mentor and seeking biblical wisdom on his situation and finding grace, he was free to embrace and take off the burden that he had placed on himself. The point is this, God's wisdom applies to our own unique circumstances. And what that will look like from person to person and family to per a family will look different. And so God's wisdom to be needs to be applied in your own unique circumstances. We need not look at what your neighbor, your friends or everybody else around you is doing or what everybody else expects you to do. You need to apply God's wisdom to your specific situation. So that needs to be a perspective of wisdom. There also needs to be a perspective of faith. Are you confident in God's provision for your future? Or are you plagued by doubt, fear, and worry? Faith, faith bridges the gap between what is our reality and what we hope for. Faith pleases God because it closes that gap between us and him. If you have sought God's wisdom and continually follow his principles, are you confident in his promise? The promise he makes that he will never leave you nor forsake you. James said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever draws near to him must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Question is, are you seeking him? And if you are, are you trusting him? Are you walking by faith? 
And there's a perspective on contentment. How much is enough? The answer to this question should be, whatever God has given me right now is enough. Not more, not less. Learning to be content is for everyone, not just for those who experience lack. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, Give me neither riches nor poverty, but give me only my daily bread. Hebrews 13.5 Make sure your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I forsake you. In Philippians 4, Paul applies contentment to both need and abundance when he says, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and of going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. When he goes on to further say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he means we can learn contentment through Christ when we abide in him. It means I can do all things. I can be everything. I can be satisfied. I can be happy. I can be joyful. I can be content in lack, in plenty. God's presence, not more resources, settles anxiety, insecurities, and dissatisfactions. Timothy 6, 6-9 But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. For those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The idea that when God blesses you, when God gives you more, when God gives you that house, that car, that job, that business, that success you're looking for, then you will be happy. You have to flip that on its head. Not more, not less. Everything I need, God has given me right now. Can you find joy in that? Because if you cannot, then you will never experience financial freedom. No amount of wealth, no amount of money can solve that problem. So that's key one. Key number two is the principles we've been talking about over the last several episodes. Five principles of money. Spend less than you earn. Because every success in your financial life depends on this habit. Avoid the use of debt. Because debt always mortgages the future. Save for the unexpected. Because the unexpected will happen. Set long-term goals. Because there's always a trade-off between the short-term and the long-term. And give generously. Because giving 
breaks the power of money over our lives. And then key number three, what processes do you have in place? We've already spoken about this process as well. These are the four uses of money to live, to give, to owe, and to grow. If you look at your money in those four pieces and you follow that process to ensure that your money is being wisely distributed in those four pieces while following the five principles and the four perspectives, then I believe you can truly find contentment. Contentment is a choice. Paul said, I have learned to be content. We can also learn to be content by resting on his promises. David Jeremiah has a fantastic quote on contentment. He says, no regrets of the past, no fear of the future, and no envy in the present. Because God has got it all under control. Everything you are experiencing right now, every, every, whatever, wherever you are in life right now, God has it under control. Materialism is the biggest impediment to contentment. Discontentment is basically saying, I don't think God has my best interests at heart and he doesn't know what I need. When we grumble over what we don't have or what God has chosen not to give us at that moment, we show ingratitude for what we currently have. So, how much is enough? What you have in your hands right now. If you're listening to me now, you're probably amongst the richest in the world. When you don't have to agonize over which of your children you can afford to feed on any given night, it should make you realize how much you have already. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Stop looking around. Stop looking at the world and what it expects you to have. Billions of dollars are spent on marketing, on marketing to make us discontent. You have a car, you need a, you need a new one. You have a house, you need a bigger house. I didn't know what I needed till I went to the mall. That's where discontentment starts. And I pray that you wrestle through this and that God helps you to find the contentment you need because until you do this, no amount of money is gonna solve that problem. It's an issue of the heart. Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast. And you can reach us at 1-888-365-8883, extension 377. Or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, 
show ID at me. Thank you. Hey, I'm Anthony B. Mitchell, co-owner of Madden and Mitchell Media and producer of the Dollar Savvy Podcast. Shayun and the SA Capital team want to thank you for tuning in. It's appreciated so much that we want to give you a chance to win a gift card prize. If you're hearing this, you completed the first step by listening to the podcast. For the second step, you'll have to email this episode's code. Email the code to be entered into the draw. The winner will be announced on the next episode. Please email podcast at essaycapital.ca to claim your prize before the following Wednesday set from the release date of this podcast. You can view more details in the description or in the latest Essay Capital newsletter. This episode's code is savings. Madden and Mitchell Media.